Energy girl, can you help me? I don't understand this paper. Can you help me? Can you help me? Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Energy Girl, a podcast where we unpack research papers and industry reports to make the field of energy and sustainability more accessible. My name is Audrey, and I'm an electrical engineer in the cleantech industry. I am joined by real human person and resident of Earth, Janine. Hello, Janine. Greetings. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, I just did like this... uh kind of baby's first high-intensity interval training thing with my roommate, and I felt my soul leave my body. So whew, I'm um, gathering the energy <laughs> to, uh, to, to be a contributing member of this podcast. Let's go. That's wonderful. And, you know, maybe it's baby's first exercise for you, but I haven't worked out in maybe like a year. So congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, I was... Um, hyperventilating, sweating, and crying. So, you know, it sounds like the first time. So it's great. It's awesome. Fun times. Well, meanwhile, I was just trying to live my best quarantine life with like a glass of red wine and some cheese and just imagining that I'm not in my apartment, but maybe somewhere in the south of France. So I'm trying to be bougie. (laughs) I would so much have rather have done that. Give me a charcuterie board any freaking day above actually moving my body. Good Lord. Enough with the pleasantries. Let's get to work. All right. So, a reminder to our audience about the premise of this show. Janine and I have both read a scientific paper, and then we are going to compare our impressions. I try to leverage my experience as an engineer to elucidate any confusion on her end with the more technical ideas, and she ensures that we tie the paper back to its relevance for everyday people. So today we are tackling a research paper published in March 2020 in the American Chemical Society Journal. It's titled Opportunities and Challenges for Organic Electrodes in Electrochemical Energy Storage. Uh, This paper is a review, which means that its main purpose is to chronicle the advances in organic electrodes. Uh, But we won't actually be covering that, which maybe seems counterintuitive to use a paper but then not cover its main contents. Um, However, The reason I chose this paper is because I think the authors did a phenomenal job with explaining the history of batteries and contextualizing the role of batteries in society. So we are focusing on the first 13 pages or so of introduction and background. So thank you, Lord. No worries <laughs> if you did not read the entire paper. The entire well, listen, I gave it a good, good college try. So Janine, let's start at the beginning. Let's start with that title. Very good place to start. Opportunities and challenges for organic electrodes in electrochemical energy storage. How are we feeling? Do we understand everything in that Um, title? Opportunities. Yes. (laughs) Challenges. Yes. Um, Organic. So when I see organic, I immediately think really expensive produce and like granola and like non-GMO, like Whole Foods, you know? So I think Whole Foods, but I know yeah. that that's not it. That ain't it, yeah, no. <laughs> that ain't it. Um, uh, and so I guess um, what gets me too is that when I think organic, I think this thing was alive at one point. And then you're, you're trying to tell me that, that uh, 
you know, like uh, carbon and hydrogen and oxygen, you know, technically are organic. I don't know. I don't, yeah, explain yeah. this to me. So I don't know. Organic doesn't mean this thing is alive. Organic more means relating to living matter. So mm-hmm. for a material to be organic, um, it needs to be made from the elements that are the building blocks of life. So all okay. living matter has carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, um, these stardust. Stardust, <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're filled with stardust and magic. Yeah. See, now that sounds Whole Foods, but whatever. All right. Yeah. Okay. So organic, I'm getting it. Okay. Okay, good. Organic material, stuff that comes from building blocks of life. Okay, I get it. We're all made out of carbon. We got some hydrogen, a little bit of oxygen, and maybe some nitrogen if you're really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we do have a lot of different elements, um, oh, but there, yeah. those top like four or five are like the most abundant. I keep thinking of, um, what is it? Helium. Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Where they're like building the human. Yeah, it didn't really work out well for them. So <laughs> no, maybe that's a sign not to attempt it. Okay. All right. So we got that. Organic. Okay. Electrodes. What do we think? So, okay. So when I think about that, I think that an electrode has to do with electricity. Okay. Elect. Good. Good. Nice. Okay. The road part of electrode, not, not quite getting, I think maybe, well, hang on. So- is it like those two little, is it like, um, you know how on the top of a battery, there's like a little, uh, a little nip, like a little, a little thing. And then on the bottom, there's the other side. Are yeah. those electrodes? Is that what that is? Pretty much. Yeah. It, it's related to those. So to define electrode, I'm going to back up a bit, talk about the main components of a battery. So okay. batteries have three main parts. There's the positive electrode, the negative electrode, and the electrolyte. I got, okay, I got two out of three. Okay, great. So I like to think about batteries um, and specifically electrodes like magnets. Mm-hmm. And the electrolyte is some separator keeping these two magnets apart. So in this analogy, you're holding the magnets just far apart enough that they are attracted to each other, but they can't touch. They can't move towards each other. So magnets really want to come together, but they can't. And that desire... Tragic. <laughs> Tragic. The tragic desire is potential energy. They want to turn it wow. into kinetic energy, which if you remember from grade school, potential is the uh, yeah the potential to do work and then kinetic energy is like the movement. Right. So me sitting on the couch before working out, potential. <laughs> me working out, kinetic. Gotcha. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so batteries have that same principle. So mm-hmm. the the positive and negative electrodes are made of different materials and they want to react with each other. But we have an electrolyte in between them that prevents them from reacting, but they really want to. (gasps) That's like an opera. Yeah. The the lovers, they want to be together. Yeah, they want to react. But society won't let them. (laughs) How sad. Okay. Yeah. So in closing, electrodes are the parts of the batteries where the chemical reactions take place. Now. Okay. Just as an aside, the, the positive and negative terminals that you're talking about, those are mm-hmm. connected to the, the positive and negative electrodes. Oh. Um, just FYI. That's yeah. great. Okay. Little battery anatomy lesson. Okay. Yeah. Um, electrochemical. Um, chemicals can be electric? So according to uh, my good friend Google, Electrochemistry is the study of chemical processes that cause electrons to move. So let me pause, 
We good with electrons. We remember electrons from school? I'm okay. Bill and I got me on this one. Uh, electrons <laughs> are the part of the atom that go crazy on the outside. So they're like spinning around and depending on how many electrons you have, you could be a dangerous atom or a stable atom or just something. And they have to do with, you know, the way that things match up and become attached or something like that. Oh, they're as, negatively charged. Also, yes, I remember oh yeah, that one. Yep, yep, yep. So as I mentioned earlier, there are reactions happening in the batteries at those electrodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are electrochemical reactions. So there is an exchange of electrons uh, from the positive electrode to the negative electrode. But remember, I just told you that there is an electrolyte separating those electrodes. So electrons don't travel through the electrolyte. And that's why a battery doesn't release any electricity when it's just sitting there, not connected to anything, because the electrons don't have a path to travel from one electrode to the other. Now, the magic happens when you connect the battery to a device, maybe it's your phone, maybe it's a charger. Um, The electrons finally have a path to go from one electrode to the other, um, so in the scenario where you're charging your phone, um, they're, or rather using your phone, the electrons are literally going from one electrode, they go out of the battery, through your phone, and then back into the battery to complete the reaction and make that transfer of electron ownership to the other electrode. Okay, that's actually really interesting. And I think mm-hmm. something clicked in my brain. And now I kind of understand this. Oh, more. amazing. So imagine a hamster cage. Oh, God. And, and there's like a bunch of tubes or whatever that go out of the cage. The hamsters run around. And as they're running around the tubes, they're creating electricity. What? Or like, okay, well, hang on. Well, bear with me. All right. Um, that's just what I'm thinking. So, so it's really the movement of these electrons that create power? Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. So we talk about current, electric current. That's the flow of electrons. So yeah, if you imagine a hamster is an electron and then the tube is like a wire. Right. Hamsters running through the tube is electricity. Oh my God. Okay. See, thank you. When you break it down into small rodents, I understand it. Okay. This is a big moment. I, great. Thank you. Okay. Electrical, chemical energy storage, then are we talking about batteries then? So storage means batteries? Yeah, well, it can mean batteries. So electrochemical energy storage, um, there's another device called a capacitor that works using these similar mechanisms. Um, however, batteries are more popular. So in our conversations today, we're really just going to be talking about batteries. Awesome. Batteries can do. All right. Title done. Moving on. Time for the, the hard part. Janine. Please summarize for our listeners what the authors are trying to tell us in this paper. Okay. So, like we talked about last time, our renewable energy sources right now are not hooked up enough to our grid so that we can use all of the power that they are using right now. So, one of the solutions to using renewable energy sources right now is to put the power that they generate into batteries. But we have to examine the way that our batteries are made and figure out if there is possibly a better way to make a battery. Right? Brava. Oh, thank God. We, I need like a, a sound bite of an audience <laughs> cheering for you. Wow. Like that little kid, <laughs> like wow. kid party one. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. yeah. That's great. 
Let's I'll keep going. Great overview. So let's keep going. Let's walk through the paper and try to unpack some of the more nuanced concepts. Okay. All right. All right. So we begin with the Industrial Revolution. There have mm-hmm. been four of them, and we're actually living in one of them right now. So it's the age of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Fourth Industrial Revolution. Aquarius. Do, do we need to get I'm the rights hair. to that? Or no, it's okay. fairly recognizable. <laughs> I'm I'm not even singing very well. It's fine. <laughs> Amazing. So the first Industrial Revolution was when we started using water and steam to mechanize production. Mm-hmm. And then the second was when we began using electric power. The third started in the 1960s with the emergence of electronics and information technologies, aka data, to automate processes. And the fourth is today. It is driven by digital and information technologies such as artificial intelligence, robotics, drones, and other digital innovations like blockchain. Mm, computer stuff. Yeah, good computer stuff. But Mm -hmm. we can't have our amazing computer stuff if we don't have power to power the computers. Aha. Aha. So in parallel with this rise in in digital technologies, there is an increase in the need for power, and we are seeing what is called the power revolution as well, Mm -hmm. Um, which is so fun. Economy booming, society changing, (laughs) Um, but not coincidentally – we're dealing with global climate change at the same time. Right. And we know that power generation and consumption is a huge driver of greenhouse gas emissions. So we're kind of in a catch-22. We need to be able to ramp up power generation and infrastructure to support society's evolution, uh, as we talked about last week. But also, power use is going to drive up carbon emissions and destroy the planet. So what do? Yeah. Man, that's a bit of a quandary we've gotten ourselves into. Yeah. Okay. And in addition, it seems that batteries are at the crux of it all. Mm -hmm. Batteries power all of our devices that are characteristic of this fourth industrial revolution. And Mm -hmm. as we talked about last week, they're also helping us to strengthen the power grid so that we can provide power even as demand increases. Mm -hmm. And batteries are central to the push toward moving away from cars that burn gasoline, aka internal combustion engines, to zero emission electric vehicles. So the takeaway here, there is a huge demand for batteries to support both economic growth and our aspirations to preserve the environment. Mm -hmm. But what are the options for batteries on the market? Well, there are lead acid batteries from 1859, then nickel metal hydride batteries that came about in the 1970s, And then in the 1980s, both the vanadium redox flow batteries and the famous lithium-ion battery that has taken the world by storm. So lithium-ion batteries are pretty much in everything, right? Like they're the the Energizer Bunny batteries. They're like the batteries in my phone, the batteries in my switch. Why are they the it girl? What is with them? Why are they so popular? So to keep it brief... Lithium-ion batteries are able to store a lot of energy within a very small space. Mm -hmm. Um, You remember what it means for an object to be physically dense, right? Yeah, it's like really heavy. Uh, Yes, it is. It would be something that is like really small but really heavy. It means having a a black hole. (laughs) 
I I live in extremes, Audrey. I mean, you couldn't have chosen an example from your actual real life. You had to choose a black hole. That's from real life. Come on. Okay. All right. Exist. (laughs) Anyway, so density, when it relates to matter, is having Mm -hmm. a lot of matter in a small volume. But lithium ion batteries are energetically dense. So there's lots of energy in a small battery. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's compact. She is compact. Yeah. She is like really good and amazing on her own. Um, But then she started gaining popularity. And then because she was popular, she gained even more popularity because of that. So. Oh, got you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So there are a couple things I want to point out about that list. Um, So. Remember I said lead acid batteries, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, discovered, I wouldn't say discovered, um, developed by uh, Planté in 1859. That's 161 years ago. Come on, Planté. Come on, Planté. And uh, there have only been four major technologies to emerge in batteries. Dang. That really? 61 year history. Well, there have been others, but none. Lemons? Like- Potatoes? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> okay. There have been other technologies, um, but none that have been like the showstoppers. Mm. I guess you could say. Um, I see. Batteries right. are just really complicated and slow to develop. Wow. Well, I guess that's kind of the point of the paper, right? <laughs> Is that there's like different, different options, but boy, howdy, are they in the baby stage? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, not from people not working on them they just they no, take sure. a lot of time there's they're very complicated you know how i said we talked about it's an electrochemical process going on so there are many different i guess moving right. parts if you will so the second thing that i wanted to point out about that list is mm-hmm. notice the names of the batteries that i just mentioned lead right. acid lithium ion nickel metal hydride vanadium redox flow that sounds All like of- a marvel superhero vanadium it- redox flow she sounds really cool i can't tell if she's good or bad hopefully good i wouldn't want to fight against her i have have no nothing to add there (laughs) i don't know what to say to that (laughs) stan lee if you're listening right now vanadium redox flow that's an excellent name did he not die oh god he did (laughs) god moving on (laughs) Oh no. Okay. So all these batteries, the the showstoppers if you will, the the batteries that have been I guess the big players in the market. Right. Um, require metals that must be mined. So earlier we established mm-hmm. that the demand for batteries is increasing enormously, but given the technologies that are on the market right now, it, it means the demand for mining, which is an extremely environmentally destructive practice, is also growing. Uh-oh. Yeah, uh-oh indeed. And with that big uh-oh, I think it's time for an art break. Okay. All right. It's getting pretty real there. So we did not do this in episode one because we just came up with this idea yesterday when we tried to record this episode, but we got super depressed. Um, we're, taking a, we're taking a break for some art. So Janine, would you please educate us on a cool fact from art and or music history? Cool. Awesome. Well, today, um, as of recording, it is May 5th. Um, and May 5th is a uh, interesting day for musical history um, because it is Howard Hansen's birthday. Woo! Happy birthday, Howard Hansen. Who is that? Um, we get in there. Okay. So Howard Hansen um, was an American composer who I have a 
a very personal connection to because he worked a lot at this little tiny lol this huge amazing important um summer program called the Interlochen arts camp oh i've heard um, about that yeah all of my friends so, who are in music are always talking about that <laughs> yep 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 what is that so, <laughs> it is um it's kind of like the closest thing you can get to like the olympic village for high school artists so Cute. It's, it's like it's in the middle it's like 500 miles north of like the southernmost point of canada <laughs> um, you said it's for high schoolers why didn't it's I for high schoolers school? so oh man it, it boy howdy it is so much fun so you go up to the little mitten top of Michigan Hmm. Um, and you spend six weeks surrounded by other people who are you know just like super into the arts and you know there's something for everybody there's like there's fine arts you know there's script writing there's filmmaking there's poetry there's songwriting there's you know for me uh, classical voice there was um, bands and orchestras and just every single style of art you can possibly imagine. Am I too is represented. old to go? <laughs> you can go and work there. Oh, no. <laughs> Not this summer, unfortunately. <laughs> they've had to, for the first time, and I think ever, they've had to uh, unfortunately halt their summer program, yeah. which is really, really, really sad because it I mean, like looking back on it, it was probably the most formative summer of mm-hmm. my entire life. And I'm still good friends with, with some of the, the women that I met there. Um, and, and all of the people that have gone to Interlochen know that Howard Hansen is actually really important because Howard Hansen wrote what we call the Interlochen theme. Um, and it's actually a little tiny snippet from his, um, his second symphony called Romantics. Uh, and after every single performance at Interlochen, uh, every single musical performance, it is performed. So if you're in choir, you sing it. If you're in orchestra, you play it. If you're, you know, in band, you play it. Um, the French horn has the best part. And when you're singing, that means the altos have the best part. So woohoo. Um, but anyways, I mean, I just, hang on, shush, soprano. Go sing the melody, why don't you? I'm only interested in singing stuff where I can scream. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this one is more, it's so so sweet. And if you ever hear Howard Hansen, uh, the the Romantic Symphony, I mean, like, if if you went to Interlock and you know what I'm talking about, but if you play it, you know, if you want to see, like, who who went, just walk into a room, start playing it, and if somebody starts absolutely bawling, then they, they went. So, so that's my little art moment. Happy birthday, Howard Hansen. Um, he, he did unfortunately, uh, pass away in 81, but, uh, his, his legacy remains. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking a lot about kids this summer who are, you know, struggling to, you know, enjoy their summer and, and some of them are graduating and they're not getting their graduations and, you know, and so many, different parts of their childhood, you know, that they've been expecting aren't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've really been thinking of them and, you know, and definitely thinking of Interlochen this week because I learned that they didn't, they weren't going to have their thing. So 
Yeah. But we can all sit back and enjoy uh, that beautiful music is being made regardless of, you know, wherever we are in the world right now. So there you go. There's Howard Hansen. Can definitely recommend you listen to the Romantics Symphony. Um, It's gorgeous. And uh, there you go. That's my little uh, art history, music history moment. I love it. There you oh go. My gosh, have you been uh, have you been doing some art stuff? What's what's going on? What's inspiring you? What's up? Um, I have two actually. Well, I was gonna. I have so many things I want to talk about. because <laughs> uh, I actually just bought <laughs> bought some prints from Lisa Hanawalt. Hey, um, she was the designer on BoJack Horseman, and she created my favorite show, Tuca and Birdie. I find myself just so endlessly inspired by her. Mm-hmm. Her art is colorful and surreal and just so horny and weird (laughs) and it makes me it makes me feel more like a person um wonderful that's art baby (laughs) yeah yeah and another thing that I wanted to mention that has just gotten me gave me lots of feelings and like Mm -hmm. desire to create was um there's a youtuber philosophy tube and he made a video about beauty in ugly times and how do you yeah. make art in ugly times so another That's thing a that good I, one it was so good and i did not mm-hmm. intend to cry <laughs> we never do and then yeah all right that was a nice breath of fresh air now i'm gonna as go. I continue, i'm gonna picture that i'm at interlock and i'm you in oh man upstate michigan <laughs> it's the most gorgeous beautiful verdant green amazing yeah just love it so back to our normal programming we just established that to keep up with demand for batteries mining will need to ramp up some people talk about recycling batteries is that just not profitable because they mentioned something about like that not being incentivized or something which yeah yeah. what the heck so it does kind of depend on the the technologies like for lead acid batteries those ones are actually really well recycled you know as i said from it's from the 1800s so what are you gonna do with lead yeah it's a really old technology and Uh there's lots of legislation that requires it be recycled and i mean you know whenever you change your car battery don't you have to take your battery to a shop and then they recycle it so i just throw it off of oh bridge no that's not true it's uh yes of course yeah you the poli- take it to police come get her please funny joke no yeah of course you go to autozone and they take it out for you and then yeah. they do what they do with it yeah yeah but that kind of um legislation doesn't really exist for many other chemistries it, it depends on state by state on a state by state basis uh-huh. but um largely i mean for lithium-ion batteries there's really not a lot of legislation happening. So there's yeah. no market being created for it. So that's the first part. No market being created because there's no, you don't have to do it. Um, right. And then also it is actually cheaper to just mine the raw materials when it comes to lithium ion batteries, at least um, mm-hmm. to recycle it and try to extract um, the materials from the already formed battery. Cause there's, wow. just a, there's just a really energy intensive process to make and then make the batteries and try to extract things. It's just, it's too much. So mm-hmm. team too much. We instead just like mm-hmm. to take it out of the ground. Yeah. So unfortunately that's at least at the moment, not really an option. So mining is even more. It's just the only way to yeah. do it. Yeah. It's the only way. All right. So I don't know how long we've been talking, but finally we're getting into the main purpose for why the authors are writing this paper, uh, which is organic electrodes. Ayo. So 
if you're able to make a battery that was cheap and performed well um, and was made from sustainable materials, then you could, you know, have your cake and eat it too. You'd be able to support the growing economy, reduce greenhouse gas emissions, and lessen the demand on mining. So the idea is that that can kind of be achieved with organic electrodes. Mm -hmm. Um, So remember what we talked about before, organic materials are made of the elements commonly found in living things. Um, So the idea is you don't have to mine to get them. You could instead get them from more accessible sources. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know our audience cannot see what we're looking at, um, but there is a figure, figure number six. I remember you telling me Mm -hmm. that it just blew your mind because it's a periodic table and it's so colorful. I'm afraid of those (laughs) just in general. My elements are earth, wind, fire, and water. Um, Right. And seeing more than four is terrifying. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it, it just, it was a lot to take in suddenly after walls of text. And I was like, oh, here we go, figure time. And yeah, that's when my brain started dripping. But but it is a great figure because what it it's is. telling us is that you can find organic materials abundantly in the atmosphere, in seawater, or in biomass, all of which would be easier than trying to extract minerals from the ground. Right. All right. <laughs> so that's where our reading ends. Um, since the rest of the paper, it starts to get very technical. Um, mm-hmm. And they, the authors go on to talk about all the, the achievements in research relating to organic electrodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but note that they do conclude by saying that this technology is in its infancy. So what do you think are the takeaways for our listeners? What can be distilled from this scientific paper that can be interesting mm-hmm. or useful mm-hmm. to everyday people? Well, I just think, I mean, like last time, you know, you don't have to know how it works because I am no closer to understanding batteries than when I started, but oh, well, that's wait, not true. no, but no, no. <laughs> I mean, like, like, well, it's not that. Okay. So backtrack. I understand <laughs> batteries a lot better now. Thank you, hamsters. But yes. I definitely wouldn't be able to make one, you know? And like, I, my understanding of it is very theoretical. So I think that even if, you know, you're not an expert, you don't have to be. But I think it's important for you to know something about stuff that you depend on, right? So I depend on the power grid every day. I depend on batteries every day. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that it's just important for people to be cognizant of what goes into that. I never Mm -hmm. really had thought about lithium as something that someone would have to dig out of the earth. I kind of just assumed it showed up in battery form (laughs) because, (laughs) you know, where we are in the world... Uh, raw materials are so separate from our, you know, experience of the items that they are made into. We don't have to see it because mm-hmm. it's yeah. across the world. So it, it can be easy to just assume, oh, well then that's just, you know, that's like seeing a chicken nugget and thinking that chickens are shaped like that, you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I guess that's just the way it is, you know? <laughs> or something like that, you know? You're like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's just how it comes out. Yep ready to go batteries out of the ground. And that's not true. And there is an actual impact to our possessions and Mm -hmm. the things that go into what we use every day. And I think that just realizing that will make you think about it in a different way. And I think that that's really Mm. important. And I think that my idea of like, how many gadgets do I really need? (laughs) How many phones do I need a year? You know? Like yeah. just thinking about the the impact of of our consumption of things, 
So that, that was interesting to me. And I didn't think that batteries would be as interesting as they wound up being, especially on the production side. Mm-hmm. I find that, that that is a really interesting um, perspective that maybe not everybody has thought about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that was my big takeaway. It sounds to me like understanding where things come from has maybe helped you recognize um, replace of privilege, like being in the U.S. and, and having these oh, comforts. A- and <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I get to see the, the final product, mm-hmm. but I am unaware of what goes into it. Yeah. Just by virtue of I've never had to think about it because it's not here, you know, and how interconnected I actually am and how dependent I actually am to the people who are making these things, yeah. you know, who I've never met in my life and probably will never, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It's just very interested and interesting to see how actually interconnected we are and how the production of things that we take for granted, you know, it can really unite us in a strange way. <laughs> well, I think that's kind oh, of parallels yeah. what's going on with, with the coronavirus and with um, oh, yeah. all the supply chains. I think people are becoming really aware of, you, you know, know, these don't just pop out of the ground. Yeah, they don't come made. out of the ground. Right? No. And there are people who, you know, we get to stay at home and work yeah. and, and other people don't. And it, yeah. it does help you recognize your privilege and understanding how, how the world works. So absolutely. Absolutely. So, so thank you for, for that, Mr. Paper. <laughs> Mr. Paper. Or you Ms. don't Paper. know it's gender. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm sorry. I realized my mistake. <laughs> Anyways, mm-hmm. what do you think? For me, I think uh, the review illustrates what it means to be in research and development. Yeah. What so- is that? Are you just like, throwing rocks at the wall until something makes a spark or like what's going on (laughs) until something Um, does electricity yeah so (laughs) that's the interesting thing about research is and this paper really embodies that a review Mm -hmm. really embodies what research is all about it's a collection of advancements that have been made by many different researchers Mm -hmm. all over the world all separated but over many years and i think people should be aware that inventions don't happen overnight and it's never one person just dreaming up, oh, I have a, an idea and it's going to be a battery and it's going to be this and this. Um, or if they do, it's incredibly rare and I don't even have any examples of anyone who has just kind of dreamed up something by themselves. Yeah. And I guess if I'm trying to distill this into like a useful go-do for our listeners, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's to emphasize the importance of investing in research development, research and development, and again, electing officials who want to invest in science, in research mm-hmm. and development, in making sure that we keep plugging away because we have to be persistent. Mm-hmm. And it's not overnight. Yeah, it's not overnight. And we have to be persist- persistent if we're ever going to bring these ideas, these really cool advancements in the laboratory than to scale them up to to, mm-hmm. to the market. You're not just paying yeah. for scientists' pizza parties. I mean, it's like they're actually getting <laughs> stuff done. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're doing tough work. <laughs> yeah, scientists' pizza party. Well, you know. When I was in research, we didn't do pizza parties, but every week we'd do presentations and we had kolaches every morning. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Well, but once you, you, a week... You, you yeah. want to make them work. Give them food. Carbo load. Yeah. Give the grad, <laughs> grad students food. Feed your grad students. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's, that's what I'm taking. Trying yeah. to get people to take away the nature of research. So I think it's just about time for us to wrap up. But before we go, I want to know, 
how have you been thinking about or using energy lately? Okay. So I, like many other people in the country, uh, received an energy bill last week. (laughs) And um, uh, holy crap. um, I did not realize how high it could be if we were all at home at the same time. And that's something that I haven't really thought about because suddenly I am in my room all day Mm -hmm. and there's a light on pretty much all day Mm -hmm. and our AC is going like crazy because it's kicking up. We have like, I was, man, I was just working out in my garage and it was like close to 90 degrees right now in Houston and it's humid as all hell. So you come back in and your, your AC is plugging away and it's just a godsend. But because we're always here and because all of us live on the second floor, it is like, it's always on, you Hmm. know? And so, so we've been using quite a lot of energy on that. And, you know, of course we're staying home now, we're charging more stuff. We're, you know, um, using the TV a lot more than we used to. Uh, and I was shocked because I've never seen an energy bill that high, um, just for three people. So yeah, that's my, um, that's my me being cognizant of energy. I'm going (laughs) to selfishly try to, uh, um, reduce my energy usage, uh, not because I care about the world, but, um, because it actually is very expensive. (laughs) Honestly, I'm not bothered by it. You know, even if you're not doing it because like you're, you're a bad person, mm-hmm. right? Like, <laughs> uh huh. So for me, it's in the same vein. It's kind of the opposite because I am no longer in Texas. I now live in North Carolina, and the uh-huh. weather's been very mild and cool. So I haven't had the air conditioner on in such a long time. I've just been keeping the windows open. And you European, that's amazing. Oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> I could in Texas, absolutely not. No, you would no. genuinely like die. You would cook yourself like a fish. Yeah, it would be terrible. Do you or eat any a lot of cooked fish? Of <laughs> yeah, that's so Hey, specific. we're about to be eating a lot more fish because guess what? The meat's all gone. So <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to The Energy Girl, a podcast where we break down research papers and industry reports to make the field of energy and sustainability more accessible. Please feel free to send feedback or topics you'd like covered on my website, energygirlblog.com, or tweet at me, Audrey Wong Goslin. Thanks again for listening. This has been the Energy Girl. There you go. Okay, I'll add that to the end, I guess. (laughs) Stop recording now.